Welcome to episode 81 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC anime universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And it's been a while. It, was, it has been a while. Been a, it feels it like it's been a while. It's yeah. been two weeks. Well, yeah, because we took that week off for Infinity the War. longest podcast ever. Yep. It's the same length as the movie. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, I'll just I'll just talk. I'm I'll, I keep an eye on the clock while we go, and like the second we hit the movie, I'm you're, ready. To, you're I'm, you're I'm done. Out. Yeah. yeah. I'm you pushing us out the door. Stood up and walked out of the room a few times. Yeah. I if forgot only, how long the movie was. If only that were true of this podcast, uh, because then our episodes never be longer than like 45 minutes, which I think people would probably appreciate. I mean, to be fair. We we stretch out our intros to like fifteen minutes at this point. We really do. And this our is... outros are if it if you cut off the intro outro, I think we spend about the same amount of time on the episodes. I, you know, I think we actually do clock in around forty five minutes, yeah, on mm-hmm. the episodes themselves. Yeah. We also know that that's what people like is the not episode part. Yeah. <laughs> well, this week especially we're going to be favoring one episode way more than the other. Oh, yeah. Because I forgot... There's so much to talk about in that episode. Well, yeah, and I forgot we were doing Legends of the Dark Knight this week. Like, I was like, oh, fucking Unity. Oh, this is a slog. And then I looked at it, I'm like, oh, what? That's an... I, I, I felt like we should have like, made something, like, a bigger deal out of it, almost like its own episode. We should have. Because there's so much to talk about with that. It really is, though. Oh, my God. It's so fun. Oh, but first, we got to talk about fucking Unity. Which yeah. is terrible. But That's first, right. we'll, speak first we'll do news. We'll do news. We got um, lots of things. And by yeah. that, I mean, I hope you have lots of things. I, well, I do because we haven't we haven't done a, a standard episode in two weeks. So there was actually tons of little things that we never actually talked about. Uh, we haven't talked about the new Venom trailer, for example. That's right. Um, looks better, but I'm still not really excited. I'm, it still looks like a bad movie, mm-hmm. but it looks like Venom looks like Venom. Yeah. So Jeb texted me. He's like, oh my God, Venom actually looks like Venom, which he in fact does. Mm-hmm. Um, it still looks really dumb. I did like the the animation coming over the head. Yeah. The, the last scene of the trailer when you actually see Venom. And one of my one of my biggest like applause moments for them is they actually told you the name of the movie at the end. I know, rather than just, of just the V. Some eyes and a V. Yeah. It's uh it's uh, it's not good. I don't think it's gonna be good. No. Um, but hey, we'll we'll be we'll talking about it. We'll be talking we're about, talk it, one, about yeah, it. Yeah, at one point later on in the year. I'm still very concerned. I mean, we're obviously going in with very low expectations. I think as is everybody. But I'm so I think as is Sony, honestly, yeah. at this point. I'm so I'm I'm I just wanna know what the universe is like where Venom is a good movie and what happens to the comic book world after that. I don't think we live in that universe. I know, but luckily. I want to know what that's like. <laughs> what, what weird dark dimension that is? Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be terrible. Because, I mean, as my friends continue to point out to me, we are <laughs> clearly in the darkest timeline. So there's got to be at least one slightly brighter timeline. This is true, yeah. There has to be a slightly more optimistic world yeah. out there somewhere in one of the different dimensions. Where, where Spider-Man is still Tobey Maguire. Yeah, oh, well, of course. They're on Spider-Man 17. Oh, there's just been so many of them. We've hit all the villains. They, Mysterio, Craven. They, as, man as Spider. Old Man Logan was coming out, they also did Old Man Spidey. Oh, my God, I'd watch that. Oh, yeah, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Leo DiCaprio was the villain in that. He just goes around and he's like in a retirement home and just to keep himself entertained, he just like webs people. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, what he does is 
He's gotten real lazy at this point. So he's running around in a wheelchair and he just webs onto someone and lets them drag him around their tire on home. I would do that. Yeah. A heartbeat. I have to go do bingo at mm-hmm. 3 p.m. so they can hit dinner at 4. So I... So they can watch the wheel at 7. Bouncing off that idea, uh, you know I ride my skateboard around because I'm very L.A. and I'm yes. very hip and trendy. Oh, my God. Oh, I always want to do the scene from Back to the Future where Marty just like holds on to cars while he skates along. Oh my god, yeah. But I'm always so scared. (laughs) Like there's a lot of shit in the road. And not just like like normal shit, but like just like little pebbles will really fuck my tiny penny board up. It's fine. As long as you're listening to Huey Lewis and the News's Mm -hmm. Power of Love, you will be invincible. Power of Of love. Love. I mean, I've been, I, it's, it's the next reasonable step because I've been on my ABBA kick all week. Oh God. I, that makes me so happy. You're on yeah. ABBA kick. Always. That's, that's me every day, <laughs> every day, all the time. I've, I have to cycle between a few because like if it's just ABBA all the time, then it does like, it loses the magic a little bit. Like you, I just jumped back on my Daft Punk kick oh, okay. after like almost a year mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh man, Discovery. I'm gonna go home and rewatch Interstellar five 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 five. Are you are you subscribed to my gay playlist on Spotify? No. You've been in the car with me before when I've been playing it. I have. I feel like you should subscribe to it because like I called all... you out on it once. Would would you call me out on it? Um, that it was mostly music sorry, you I would called, be listening to. Yeah, I, I called myself <laughs> out on it. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, because it was last year's Gay Pride. Yeah. And you're like, this is my gay playlist. I'm like, this is my normal playlist. This is my normal playlist. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's like. ABBA, Donna Summer, Whitney Houston, the Backstreet Boys, yeah. Spice Girls, yeah. Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Um, the list goes on. In uh, Sync. There's kids. a little bit of Sync on there. They're not new kids. Um, um, the Village People, obviously. Obviously, obviously. You can't you can't have a Pride playlist without that. No, in the Navy, it's such it's an amazing oh, song. It's a great DDR song too. Oh, that would be a good DDR song. It was a good song. <laughs> it was on DDR Max too. Well, we'll get you on that playlist. <laughs> Be part of my bat plugs this week because Chris is crank up the gay Spotify playlist. Perfect. Um, so real news. Real news. Okay, a couple other things. We had other trailers. Mm-hmm. Teen Titans go to the movies trailer. I think I missed this one. Did you not see it? Where the the plot of it is that Robin wants to get a movie made about him. No. Okay. I did miss. I missed this what? trailer. Yeah. Okay. We'll loop back around for next week. Then it's it's actually a pretty fun trailer. I mean, I feel like this is gonna be a very fun movie. It looks, especially the second trailer. Um, I'm really on board for. It, it looks like it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So we'll say that for next week when you've actually seen it. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Rather than making you watch, watch it live. We already stretched these things out long enough as it is. <laughs> um, well, I know you must have watched the Ant Man and the Wasp trailer. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's still great. looks fun. Still yeah. looking forward to it. Still see the. The essence of Edgar Wright in there, which yeah. just, it, it both warms and breaks my heart. I know. It's kind of Edgar Wright light. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's going to be fun, um, especially after Infinity War. I'm very curious to see how that story ties in and what parts of it will be setting up Avengers 4. Right. So. Uh, I was having a conversation. Are we going to do spoilers yet? I think. Should we start I'll, I'll 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 save it for later. I think I think we can. I okay. think I can put a little. Have time. you seen? If you guys haven't seen Infinity War yet, and 
you listen I, to our podcast. That, yeah. that is a those are, that's a Venn diagram that does not. I have a hard yeah. I have a hard time believing anyone who listens to these when they come out outside of one particular listener <laughs> who you had the joy of meeting the other night. I did. <laughs> I had an absolute joy meeting your mom. She is lovely and very fun and very charming. I had a great time hanging out I'm with so her. So glad. I'm yeah, sure, I know she's gonna love hearing that in this. Yeah. No, she was amazing. <laughs> like. I, I, you need to do it with her again. It was yeah. really fun. Uh, Plus, I love any opportunity to make fun of you. With yeah. people who And she knows you better than either, obviously, Shane or I do at this point. That's so, very true. Yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, so outside of her, I feel like most of our <laughs> listeners have, have seen, seen yeah, Infinity War. Have seen the movie. So yeah. where, what, my theory mm-hmm. for post-credit also, scenes... we're not going to talk too much about Infinity War since we did talk about it for two hours and 45 minutes. I have seven more minutes. points I want to go over, Chris. <laughs> Anyways, One for each character. Real quick, what's your theory? <laughs> uh, end of Ant-Man Wasp. I mean, I think the most clear ending is going to be one of them turns to dust. Yeah, I think so. Um, or uh, Captain Marvel lands. Oh. Well, would that be weird? Having her land, seeing her first in the end of Ant-Man, mm, and then point. seeing her know. in the past? No, I don't. Ooh, that's a good question. I'm not sure how they're gonna do that. Because my other one was the post credit for Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I, I assume it's either gonna be the post credit or the int- or the start of Infinity War Part Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want it to be the destruction of Xandar, which is where I assume Captain Marvel is right now. Oh, oh. Because they mentioned at the beginning of this movie that yeah, Thanos, Thanos had already destroyed the planet. Yeah. So I want her to either have escaped mm-hmm. or just missed, like she was out on some other mission and comes back to oh, a that, destroyed no, planet. Interesting. Yeah. And then she gets the distress <laughs> signal of like Thanos is here. I imagine it's going to, we're going to get that scene somewhere. I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. I haven't thought about what the post credits for Ant-Man will look like. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for it though. Me too. It looks I super just f- want it to be Hawkeye. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think we're going to get a lot of Hawkeye in Avengers 4. Somewhat, so I thought it was a spoiler, and I'm, and after seeing it, after seeing the movie, I realized it wasn't. But there was all the all the talk beforehand of like, oh, Hawkeye's got to make a grand appearance in this because he's not in any promotion yeah. or in any trailer. And so one of my design friends uh, who works for Disney remade the Infinity War poster with just photos of Hawkeye. I saw that poster. Yeah, it it blew up. Yeah, uh, and I remember him posting that like an hour before we were going to see the movie. Uh-huh. And I'm like, he fucking spoiled it. Something's going to happen with Hawkeye. Yeah. Like, Hawkeye's going to go down. And this is the spoiler for it. Uh, and he didn't make an appearance. <laughs> so, so sad. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, I think we're going to get a lot of him. And I, I imagine that Ant-Man and the Wasp, at least one or the other, will probably feature heavily in yeah. Avengers 4. It also wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if uh, Jeremy Renner was in Ant-Man. He might and be. In the same yeah. way that Anthony Mackie was in it last time. That's true, yeah. He might pop up in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they know each other now. Yeah. They're buds. Even if, I imagine it's going to be like, it's going to be like the Wolverine cameo in uh, First Class. Oh, yeah. Where he's going to like, oh, shit, there's this crazy multidimensional villain. Uh, how are we going to handle it? Like, I know who to call. He's like, Clint, no. Yep. He's like, hang nope. up. <laughs> I'm hanging out with my family. Yeah. Fuck off. Uh, and then his family turns to dust, and he's like, well, fine. Mm-hmm. Gotta go out there. Um, okay. <coughs> Two of the random little things. I can't get rid of this cough. I've actually have been coughing all day long until I sat down to this goddamn podcast. Um, have we talked about the fact they're doing a Fast and the Furious animated show on Netflix yet? No. 
Did you not even hear this announcement? We talked about it the other night. Okay. It, but that was the first time I heard about it when you yeah. brought it to me. So it's like Dom Toretto's cousin, Tony, is hired by like, the CIA. Is it in Tokyo? I mean, it might be in Tokyo. I don't know. I don't think they said. But he's is like a little Bow Wow in it? Of course he's in it. Good. What else is he doing? Uh, yeah, like Lying the cousin is like hired by a government organization to infiltrate an elite car racing ring. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so fucking I'm 100% terrible. down. I know you're down. I of already course, gave it five I, stars. Yeah, you're obviously down. You watch everything. I do. Yeah. I have no filter. No. Well, then this will also make you really excited. Did you see that Double Dare is getting yes. a reboot? Yes, I did. <laughs> and I'm furious that I'm too old to be a contestant. Are you? Yeah. All contestants are 18 and under. Oh. I know. For once... For once my oh age. Oh my god, you're not young enough. I'm not young enough. There was the first time I ever felt ostracized for being on the other side of a marker. There was a water slide I wanted to go down, but you had to be under a certain height. Yeah. Uh and I was like it was it was like my first time at a at a water park where I was finally forty eight inches and above, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like last week. Yeah. Um so I was so excited and it was like the one slide I wanted to get on was 48 and under. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Yes. Um, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yes, I did hear Double A was coming back. They are also looking for a new host. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there's Should, my in. Yeah, third name in the ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, having given that you just turned 25, do you know have to, like, check the higher-level age bracket on I forms? do. Oh, yeah. poor it's, Cameron. It feel, it's, not, it's not that I feel older <laughs> clicking it. I just feel like it's such a hindrance because I'm so, I'm on such autopilot when I'm filling yeah. those things out and I know exactly where my where my buttons are and now I have to go back like oh shit oh, I'm not now, now you have to click into the I'm not eighteen to twenty four anymore to twenty five to thirty one year old yeah. category oh man it's rough oh man being old sucks Chris <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I know I'm aware <laughs> no that's not true getting older just keeps getting better mm-hmm. oh my god the best. Um, I don't, do you have any other news you want to talk about? Uh, do you, you have any just, other Nickelodeon news? The, the big news. What big news? At least what I, was, what I thought was big was we got the music video for the title song of Deadpool. Oh, the Celine Dion video. Yes, Ashes. Yes. So good. Oh, my God. If you don't would... follow us on social media, I posted my two favorite parts of it. Yeah, you story. did. I know. I was mm-hmm. like, wait, someone posted on the Tim Talk story? That was me. I did it. I have a calling card, and I use it the same with uh, Core Memories. So mm-hmm. You can always tell it's me uh, when the text is outlined in red. That is the, the, oh, the that's Cameron your, that's calling your trick? card. Mm-hmm. Well, now that I know, yeah, I can just start, gonna... I can, I can start <laughs> posting things. I'm like, oh, man, Cameron has like some it's really racy, racy opinions comments. going on here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that trailer was amazing. And then one last Infinity War news, because I just read it before coming here, and it's mm-hmm. so funny. Because it's so fits character. Uh, we all know at this point that Tom Holland is horrible at spoilers and keeping yeah. secrets. There was a supercut I watched of Benedict Cumberbatch interrupting him in interviews. Yeah. To and stop the fact him from that doing Cum- this. And the fact that Cumberbatch was also present for this makes it so much better. Oh, my God. So uh, Chris, Chris and I have told me, uh, many a tale of going to the Arclight Cinema and uh, seeing the director's intro yeah. of the film. Edgar Wright intro. Edgar Wright. Yeah, uh, Taika Waititi. Waititi. Um, so for the Infinity War at Arclight, which we, unfortunately we were not there for, um, the Russo brothers came Huge out, mistake. Kevin Feige came out, and then Benedict and Tom came out to intro the movie. But Tom, bless his heart, 
didn't realize this was the audience that was about to watch the movie, and he thought it was the audience that had just watched the movie. Oh, So no. he walks out, hands up. He's like, don't worry, guys, I'm still alive. Uh, and the audi- and the video of this, you can just hear the murmurs of the audience. I'm like, what is he talking about? And you can see Tom turn to the Russo brothers like, is this the audience that just watched the movie or the audience that's about to watch the movie? Like, they're about to watch it, Tom. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> God. And it's just the most adorable thing. Oh, Tom Holland But I so feel so adorable. bad because this was like the first night. I mean, this was Friday this night. Friday night, yeah, yeah. Like, there's, yeah. That's, oh, no. See? So wonderful. Maybe it's a good thing we didn't go to the Arclight. I mean, we had already seen it by then, though. Well, but instead of going yeah, Thursday yeah, yeah, night. Yeah. Never. I mean, I would have still gone Thursday night. <laughs> <sighs> never again, El Capitan. I'm sorry. You ruined. You 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 I've ruined. ruined. I've ruined. You ruined you. for me. I apologize. No, you didn't ruin it. The El Capitan ruined it. Mm-hmm. Never again. Don't don't put it on on put it on the fans, not on El. Yeah, Capitan. but the El Capitan, El Capitan draws in the more extreme fans. I know, but El Cap is so wonderful. But is it though? It is. See, the it, Star Wars is almost as bad. It was. But you weren't there for Star Wars when we saw it at the Alcatraz. That's right. It, th- that was the first time it was like a little bit problematic. This was like full on like. Which is, in- I'm I'm curious how it would have compared to my Force Awakens at Chinese. Oh, yeah. Because <clears throat> we've seen premieres at Chinese. We've seen a handful yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, our infamous Batman vs. Superman was at Chinese. Oh, I blacked that out. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. That was, oh, God. And there were fans near, but the audience as a whole wasn't as. Loud. I think it was just the fans directly near us, just that right, were, right by us. Yeah, yeah, we're way too into it. I think it, one of the things that almost helps there is that because it, it is so big, yeah, that the noise kind of dissipates. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, El um, Cap is super condensed. It's so tiny. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so dense that just yeah, people. Oh god. And what's even crazier, there were people that. So El Cap, if you didn't see it, this would be the last thing I talk about. Uh, I'm leaving the podcast after this. Yeah. Um. Uh, if you guys didn't see, El Cap did a 31-hour marathon oh. watching all of the movies that relate to Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that that show ended right before our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so amazingly, it didn't smell as bad as I was thinking. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Because uh, I did the marathon last time they did one. Oh, that's Not right. at El Cap, but yeah. I did the 27-hour marathon before oh. Ultron. Um, oh. Yeah, it was great. Such, oh. such great memories. Oh, God. Um, there were people in the theater that had just finished the 31 hour marathon, watched Infinity War, and then had tickets to see it again with us. And that blows my mind. Like, I'm not that dedicated as a fan. No. I, I, like, I love movie theaters. But I like sleep more. Yeah. Yeah. And those seats aren't comfy. That's, no, they're that's, not. That's the only reason I didn't do it, if I'm being honest. Yeah. If it was at, if it was at Chinese theater... I would have done it in a heartbeat. That, that theater is super comfy. Yeah. Or if it was at Arclight, oh, yeah. Well, okay, yeah, this would be the last thing we talked about in regards to Infinity War. <laughs> I swear. So uh, my friend Cody texted me the other day because he, he had seen, like, Iron Man 1 and, like, Iron Man 2 and, like, maybe the first Thor, but he hadn't seen a lot of movies. He texted me and said, hey, what are the movies that I need to watch to go see Infinity War? And so, okay, what what would your list be? Like, the shortest list you can possibly do. I have mine. I'm curious what yours would be. Like, what's the shortest, shortest list, list possible to get? Like, someone who has seen maybe a smattering of movies, but essentially has seen none of the movies. What's the shortest list possible you can give them before they can go see Infinity War and be able to more or less keep up? Avengers, Guardians, Guardians One, mm-hmm. um, Black Panther. 
Cameron's staring off the distance, thinking. And you said he's already seen Iron Man, so do I have to include that? I, I think let's let's assume that someone hasn't seen any of them. What's okay. the shortest possible list you can give them? Okay. <clears throat> um, then Iron Man. I'll just do four. Oh, what? Yeah. No. I th- no. no. Avengers. If you watch Avengers, that'll give you Cap and Thor. Yeah. And Hulk. Um, and Iron Man. Yeah. But I want them to watch what starts okay. at all. Well, yeah, but okay, so the list I gave. Okay. The list I gave was Avengers 1, mm-hmm. Guardians 1. Yep. Winter Soldier. Actually, no, it was Avengers 1, Winter Soldier, Guardians 1. Got it. Avengers 2. Oh, yeah, I guess Ultron is, is kind of important. Civil War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess Civil War is also kind of important. I, I've, I've, I've and I think War. you can leave it there. Like, those are those ones that you have to see those. And then I said, because I know him well, I know his style. I'm like, if you have time, watch Spider-Man Homecoming and Thor Ragnarok because you'll just like them. They're not as necessary, but they're fine. Right. Yeah, they weren't part of um, 31-hour marathon. <coughs> Damn, I'm sorry. I'm dying. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that yeah, makes Yeah, because I feel like that hits the... like. I, I think Avengers 1 does intro all the characters you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you need... I think you need to see Winter Soldier to see how, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. falls apart. And I think the introduction of Bucky... You could maybe cut out Winter Soldier. I was, I was, I was thinking you could cut out Winter you Soldier. You probably cut out Winter Soldier. I think Civil War... You'll be a little lost, but I think you can fill in the pieces. Well, and Avengers Age of Ultron will fill in a lot of that, too. And I think that's yeah. necessary because it sets up Scarlet Witch. It sets up Vision. Yeah. Those are two pretty big people that I think you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to see Civil War, I think, going into this, understand why they're all... Why they all hate each other. Why yeah. they all hate each other. Yeah, it's all broken up. But why I think, Tony's a dick. He's such a dick. Gets his come up. Not as much of a dick as Chris Pratt, though. No, I know. Chris yeah. Pratt. He ruined everything. Um, but yeah, I think that's the short list. Yeah. That's like the most condensed list down there. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, just the movies with everyone. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, just the ensemble films. Yeah. But you know, like you need Guardians 1 because it sets up the Infinity Stones and right. sets them up. But I think that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. get to know Thanos <laughs> a little bit more. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's start this. Are we going to start with Unity so we can get the five minutes out of the way? Let's get it out of the way. All right. Um, if you guys don't want to watch <laughs> Unity but want to watch something better, you should watch Futurama's Beast of a Billion Backs. Yep. Because it's the same story, but better but much and better. funnier. Yeah. Because and- uh, Yivo, delightfully voiced by David Cross, is much better than, I guess it's just Unity. called Unity? Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's Also, real- if you just want a better episode, just watch the Rick and Morty episode titled Unity. Yeah. No, this episode, it's so dumb. It's like, okay, so Kara's on spring break, so she goes out to Metropolis. It has an amazing spring break. Let's not undercut that. Yeah. I, like that I know she has reporter friends, but like, yeah. I don't know that they're allowed to bring her into all of that shit. Yeah, well, it's Lois Lane. She knows everybody. That's she true. can take anyone She is anywhere. the 26-year-old Pulitzer Prize winner. Exactly. Yeah, and there's no way she's taking Clark to any of these sort of things. Clark's right. boring and stuffy, so she's taking Kara along. But Kara goes to Metropolis for spring break, and... One more note on that. What? She makes... Does she know, does, does Kara know the whole Bat family? Because she makes a joke. She makes a reference to Barbara. So I think this... And it definitely went over my head for a second. I think this aired after Girls' Night Out. Okay. Um, it's just the weird order we're doing it in to spare us having two Superman episodes a week. Got it. Um, makes it so that, yeah, she, makes, she mentions Barbara. But also she just casually drops Barbara's name in a... A letter that mm-hmm. she's mailing to Ma. So yeah. I guess the Kents also know the entire Bat family. I would assume so. I assume they all have Thanksgiving together. Batman doesn't have Thanksgiving with anybody. Oh, I'm sure any any woman, any mother named Martha, he goes, <laughs> <laughs> you know Superman just, invites him to, to Thanksgiving. Like, just, 100%. But he wouldn't go. 
There's no way Bruce would go. He would go. go once. No, he wouldn't go even once. Not not even once? No. I think the way I see it is Superman would send the letter and Tim would find it. He's like, we have to go, Batman. And then Barbara would also, like, Barbara would walk in as Tim's trying to convince Batman. She's like, what are you trying to talk about? He's like, Superman invited us to Thanksgiving. And he's like, oh, well, Batman, we have to go. And she'll have some reason where, like, her uh, Commissioner Gordon is off on some rogue hunt and he's not home and so she's on her own. No, no, they, invite, to they invite him along too, and he's wondering why the hell, <laughs> why the hell get it. are we having dinner with Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent, and his parents in Kansas? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now his niece? Yeah. And why is Aquaman Cousin? here? <laughs> uh, there's also this random scientist yeah. who talks really fast. Yeah. Very cocky for himself. <laughs> that green guy. <laughs> um, I don't think Nightwing would go, but I think you could get no. the rest of the Bat, the Bat family. Barbara would try. I think I can. But see, Nightwing would be brooding still. Mm, okay, see, because I'm basing this off of the Long Halloween, which you mm, no, sorry. God. Well, in that it's obviously it's based <laughs> off of holidays. Got it. It's calendar. And man. in that, a uh, calendar man isn't it? Thought so. Of course. In that. Bruce, I well, get the gist Batman of has Thanksgiving dinner with Solomon Grundy down in the sewers. Oh, that's right. It's a really sweet moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe, but I feel like, actually, you know what? Animated Universe Bruce, I could see him doing a Thanksgiving dinner. Right. With, um, with Tim and Alfred. Oh. Do you think he would invite Superman? Do you no, think the, no. the Kents? Okay. No. Because at this point in their history, I don't think Bruce considers Superman a friend. That's true. Really. Kind of, kind of, eh, ish. Well, he does well, owe him because <laughs> Superman saved Gotham from... Brainiac. Brainiac. I would say, actually, maybe now he does. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Because mm. the, the scenario I see is Bruce would invite Clark, and Clark would say, no, you have to come to my parents' house. Oh, yeah. And then he would drag his ass out to kansas yeah and i I just i want to see the the shot the wide shot of the limo pulling up to the barn yeah actually you know what there's one reason bruce might go to fuck with clark oh i could see him showing up and just swooping in and being peak charm bruce wayne oh yeah sweet talking martha maybe lana's there too and he's just like it's a little flirty with lana Mm -hmm. a little, little tease you know uh, well, obviously, uh, Ma and Pa Kent make some <clears throat> reference to Superman as a kid. Yeah. And I, Batman or uh, Bruce has the smirk. He's, He's like, like oh, oh, tell me more. Tell me more. And his head is like, yes, the lead, lead Christmas presents, you yeah. say. Good to know. Just adding to the long list of weaknesses. <laughs> How, what can I learn? What can I glean from this so I can kill Superman in a pinch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could watch that episode. Yeah, that's of the Unity. episode we want to see. It's way better than this. This piece of garbage. But yeah, Kara goes to Metropolis um, and like gets to invited all these like fun shindigs with Lois and gets the Supergirl it up. I one of my favorite moments though is as she write the letter, she she looks at a photo taken of her fighting Volcana and Jimmy's in the background taking photos. My question then became, who took that photo? Uh, probably Clark. Because he's just not fight, he's not there fighting. Just standing there, like you're doing yeah. a great job. Yeah. I mean, I love Volcano. That was kind of a fun little moment. Mm-hmm. The dialogue was painfully the cheesy. worst. Yeah. So I mean, through so, this whole episode, so the dialogue so, was bad. 
Yeah, and then so she like she gets back and everyone is hypnotized by this weird tentacled alien blob monster thing called Unity, and they have all got tentacles coming in another foreheads and their mouths, and apparently the tentacles are susceptible to damage from X-rays. Yeah, don't get that. Together, which I thought it was an error at first when they show Clark Superman using like lasers out of his eyes, and it was clear. I'm like, well, that they miscolored that it yeah. wasn't the laser it was x-ray and then he makes it come out oh no their x-rays hurt them <clears throat> well, so my favorite part of the episode is when he uses his microvision through a microscope through a microscope Why? that was amazing i Why? loved that so much like does he can he not do that normally he, he was just too lazy to turn the dial yeah because you know how the microscopes have like the three lenses yeah you just like swap yeah. out the lens <laughs> he's on the like the the smallest lens. yeah because like, well, we oh. know he does have normal microscopic vision because he used it to find the little nanobots yeah and he was dressed up as batman exactly yeah so what? i, lo- I love so, watching him use microvision so, through a microscope so goddamn dumb <clears throat> one of my notes is literally what did they do i, I was like trying to remember what that was and i think that's when they how do they defeat yivo in Futurama? No, in this. Oh, Unity. Um, so that was that was uh, one of the many concerns I had with the episode because they make a big point through this that if you try and hurt one member of Unity, then all members of Unity get hurt. Yeah. Except apparently if you hit the main source of Unity, because it's oh um, yeah because you see, but unless they're in human form, because uh, the villain the the humans version is Armis. Fowl. Farmer Brown looking guy. Yeah, definitely <clears throat> just Farmer Brown. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Armis, Armis Howell. Reverend Armis Howell. Yes. Sorry, don't want to forget the titles here. Yeah, how dare you? Yeah. Um, so Kara starts beating up the other members, and then like you see Martha feeling the impact. And so then when Superman goes and starts fighting uh, Armis, he like punches him once, and you see Jonathan get hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when the big unity comes out, Kara throws a gas canister at it and explodes it. Yeah. And then no one feels anything. No one feels anything. Which, <clears throat> I, I mean, I don't know how they would have gotten around that any other way other than just like, yeah, well, it just doesn't happen anymore. It just goes to show what a dumb idea this whole thing is. Like, yeah. you can't even write a good wrap up to taking out the villain. Mm-hmm. It's also <clears throat> weirdly, like, gross and graphic. Yeah. When they're, like... When the tentacles come out of the mouth? Well, the tentacles the coming... The sound effects. Ugh, yeah, the, the tentacles coming in and out of the chills. mouth. And then it just even when they're fighting the Unity monsters at the end and, like, they rip it in half and there's just, like, oozing guts and goop yeah. everywhere, I'm like, this is pretty gross and horrible and disgusting for a kid's cartoon. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is nasty. So goddamn stupid. Also, those writers were really in love with their rutabaga turnip joke. They were. They they had that was a good minute of this episode. That was yeah. one twenty fourth of this episode. Yeah, it was just that couple yeah. arguing about whether it's goddamn turnips or rutabagas. I I do want to give credit to Kara because she was sitting next to a crying baby. Uh, Clark said it was a two day bus ride. Yeah, which is good to finally get a distance about a distance between Smallville and Metropolis. Yeah. Because that's, that's a very yeah, which, highly disputed conversation. Well, because I think in this, Metropolis is on the eastern seaboard. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Unlike in Smallville when it's series. A, it's, where across, it's, where it's across Oh, and it's, it's in Kansas. <laughs> or it's across the street. Or it starts off as this, like, 
idealistic city far, far away, and now it's a 30-minute drive by yeah. season six. Also, I'm looking... I'm I'm looking right now at a comparison of turnips. Oh, they actually do look a lot alike. Okay. Is that a All turnip right. or a rutabaga? I think it's a rutabaga. So, uh, when, um, total tangent here, but when The Parent Trap came out way back in 1997. Six. 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 In 1996. Thank you. Uh, when it came out, I happened to be at Disney World with my family. And so my dad had, like, a meeting or something like that in Florida. So we all, like... Flew out to Georgia for one of his meetings, then drove down to Disney World. In a meeting one night, so my mom took my brother and I to go see The Parent Trap, and behind oh, us... both wrong. Was wow. it 98? Eight. Eight, damn it. So I knew mo- it wasn't even. I mostly blame you, because you should know these things. But I blame you, because you should correct me on these things. This is true. We're both failing. Um, I'm just trying not to die over here. <clears throat> but, so we... The entire run of the movie this old couple behind us were arguing back and forth as to whether it was one girl or two <laughs> was it twins no it's not twins they just it's do a that camera. camera trick it's in, the, it's in the camera well no look at it they clearly are two kids there look at them they're just you know they're interacting with each other that was the rutabaga turnip that's amazing thing i, I love would, that i'd kill myself yeah yeah all right i just jump off the bus i've so what i wanted to say giving praise to, to kara um, it's a two day trip. Yeah. She made it to the last five miles <laughs> before she jumped out of the bus. Fun- yeah. But it was the, it was the, t- <laughs> the rutabaga turnip thing that pushed her over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't the like, smell. She was there. She was home. The baby. Yeah. yeah. But like, why, honestly, why shouldn't she just run or fly? Yeah. No one's going to see her. Like, she can fly so fast that no one could see her. So yeah. why wouldn't she just do that? Superman flies home. Yeah. Why, why is he allowed she? to do that? He's a dick. That's, That's why. very true. Yeah. He finally has someone to push around. Because it's a man's world. Yes. <laughs> Skies for the men, honey. <laughs> Stick to the ground. Stick to the bus. Man, this explains why Lois wants nothing to do with him. <laughs> so this is why they're not together. Right. Lois is just, just too brash and ballsy and self-confident for, for Clark. Exactly. He needs his docile Kansas girls. Oh, my God. Um... I mean, there's a lot to compare to, but is this the worst episode of Superman? Oh, maybe. I think so. I'm gonna, think, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it at the bottom right now. I think, yeah. I mean, we're we're closing in the end of the season, and we'll, we'll do our recaps, our, our short list. This clearly is not gonna make it on there, but I think this might be. This is like Moon of the Wolf level bad. Oh yeah. 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 But it's, thank goodness, <sighs> we have Legends of the Dark Knight. On oh the other God. side. I know. The uh. bright light at the end of this tunnel. So, you hadn't seen this before. I had not. I'd seen one joke from this before. Did and you... I really wish I had turned off, because I watched it on Amazon, like always. Mm-hmm. Sponsored. Amazon. Thanks, yep. guys. Uh, get that Prime membership, nine ninety nine. dollars 99 That's the best. I don't know. It's like 90 a month, or 90 a year. Yeah. Um, I wish I'd turned off the, the notes on the side, because like right when the episode starts, they're like, we want to give a shout out to... Um, Frank Miller and... Um, oh, um, Bill Finger, Dick Spring. Yeah. Well, that was in the credits, too. Yeah. But in the credits, I didn't know why. I thought... Well, because I, I saw Bill Finger bef- top, and I'm like, oh, this must have been right when he passed away. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't even read Frank Miller at the bottom. Yeah. Um, but on the side, they're like, this is an adaptation of this and The Dark Knight Oh, uh, okay, Returns. so I was going like, to oh, ask man. you if you knew... 
when it started what this was. I didn't know the art style was going to change, which yes. are usually my favorite episodes of any show, any series. Yeah, because I wanted to ask you about that, because you, you being the animation guy here, like what you thought of them doing the different art styles. I fucking loved the 60s art style. The yeah. 50, 60s art style. Yeah, the Dick Sprang style. Mm -hmm. So I watched it a second time again today with the director's commentary, because I have it on DVD. Yeah. Um, and they were talking, they had the storyboard artist. Uh, um, he's a storyboard artist? He basically did all the animation for the Dick Sprang segment. And so he was talking about all the small ways he tried to emulate that style. So one of which is that the characters will slide in mm -hmm. off frame rather than like They'll slide moving. in and hold before yeah. any action starts or any dialogue starts. Because that yeah. was the big thing for me, which they might have brought up in the commentary, is how slow the pacing was. It was mm -hmm. the slow pacing and also um, the, the edits were so loose. Yeah. Where like... Uh, Joker would finish talking and it would hold for another second yeah. before it would jump to Batman and it would hold another second before he started talking. Yeah, like they they wanted to do kind of bad animation and what they found is they actually couldn't do like a direct version of Dick Sprang because it almost wasn't extreme enough. So actually they pushed that those character designs a little bit further because they would like work better in animation. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> Damn it. There's that cartoon that I constantly bring up and I constantly forget the name of it. Super Friends. Gerald McBoing Boing. Close. Close sec Super Friends, close second. Uh, what? Gerald McBoing Boing. What? Gerald McBing Bong? I think it's Gerald McBoing Boing. Um, you, how? Great series. How do you? Great series. It's, a, it's an animated short. If you haven't watched it, <sighs> it's like five minutes. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's where... Um, this looks kind of familiar, actually. Yeah, it's it used to play on like Boomerang a lot because um, Hanna Barbera takes a lot of inspiration from this series. Oh, it does look kind of familiar. Yeah, so uh, in uh, kind of forties, fifties, sixties animation, the animation world, there were two types of animation mm -hmm. you had classical which was the disney style everything looked real everything felt real yeah um you have <clears throat> bambi that moves like a deer the environment moves like an environment well, yeah because they would pencil around actual film footage right um and then you had of deer yes sliding on ice exactly yeah uh, they just throw. Yeah, just, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it past. They had Walt. a stable full of deer, and they just kept like throwing them across the ice. Yeah, yeah. It's the early '40s, man. Yeah. What was real sad was to get that really great animation of the mom getting shot. They shot a shitload <laughs> of deer, a bunch of deer, so yeah. many deer. Mm -hmm. and they but they didn't like sure. any of it, so they're no. like, "We're just gonna have that off scene." <laughs> yeah, we do it off camera. But they also made sure that all those deer they shot were moms. Yeah, and they had the baby deer watching it happen every time. Right, because Walt was a monster. He's a great man. <laughs> um, so you had like the classical animation and then you had this, uh, sorry, traditional animation is what mm -hmm. that was. And then I don't remember the name of it, but it's like the abstract animation. And Gerald McBoing Boing is the perfect representation of that. Um, and if you go back and look at old Hanna-Barbera, it's basically trying to speed up the process as much as possible. Oh, okay. Um, so all the backgrounds are super abstract or repeating, so uh, the Hanna Barbera repeating background. Right, uh, that was the reason for it. Uh, everything was super loose. It was all shape driven. Um, there were fewer cuts. Yeah, so I'm looking at like 
I think this is like probably one of the original Jeremy Boing Boing. Mm, oh, it's only one short. Oh. Yeah. It's like, is there just, but haven't there been multiple iterations based off of? I think so. Yeah, 1950 was when it initially came out. Do you remember in the Animaniacs, mm-hmm. there was a segment about the little boy who like scurried yes. out of his house and mm-hmm. ran up and would just go on some long-winded tangent story? Mm-hmm. That must have been based off of this character. because he I looks you shit. me. <laughs> also, that's you. Um, looks a lot like this character. He does. So I think that, I mean, and I can see the Animaniacs pulling that kind of reference, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was adapted from a Dr. Seuss story. I didn't know that. Oh, oh, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. For the people who don't know the story of Gerald McBoing Boing, it's a kid. They can only talk. Th- uh, the only voices he can make, the only sounds he can make are sound effects. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. <clears throat> super cool. Um, but yeah, so you can see a lot of inspiration from that mixed with a little bit of Tax Avery and then mm-hmm. a lot of early Hanna Barbera yeah. in the 50s segment of this episode. I think that's my favorite segment, actually. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. love it's. It's so playful, and they also couldn't for the Dark Knight Returns segment because I was curious what part of the Dark Knight Returns they were going to go for because mm-hmm. it's a very dark series. Yeah, and they went for a pretty dark moment, but well, at least the... they didn't go for the point where the Joker. Joker is running around with a battering in his eye, shooting people in a tunnel of love. You know, that was my second choice. <laughs> that was their first choice, actually. It was. Um, I keep the, talking, I get more water because I'm like fine. dying over here. Um, yeah, because with the Dark Knight Returns segment, one, the big thing I noticed is um, they didn't have any shadows, which, which felt, it, it was a weird transition for me because I'm so used to like being able to see depth. But then if you think back to Frank Miller's style, it is very flat. He uses... Keep talking, I gotta put my food in the fridge. <laughs> He uses deep shadow a lot, where you, like, high contrast shadow, but when it's just, um, when it's just, like, Batman standing, standing there, you're not going to get the subtle shadows on the ground against the wall, um, on his, like, on the body, the contour shadows. I didn't even notice that. There was yeah. no shadows. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, it was, look at it, like, watch it again after seeing that, and it's very apparent. Oh, I'll watch it a third time. Yeah. No problem. Uh, but yeah, so they chose the scene where it's him versus leader and they made it to my favorite part, which I was, cause like the surgeon part is so dark, especially in the animated movie where you see him break all the limbs Yeah, and it's like, this isn't, well, what's the line? This isn't a, this oh, isn't a trash heap. It's a, sur- it's a, it's an operating, it's an table, operating table and I'm a surgeon. Oh, it's such a what? So fucking in line. the commentary, they even talk about that that's like that was a really dark thing but they they're glad they got it in there mm-hmm. well because they they did the the child's way out and they when it got to that moment in the comic panel they just panned the panned the camera away. over to, yeah to the guys watching yeah but and so i think what's interesting is i, I cannot remember i want to say it was like james tucker i think was the name of the guy who did the animation for the the dick sprang era okay. um but it was darwin cook who did the animation for um, the Dark Knight Returns thing. So Darwin Cook, of course, also being the guy who did the title sequence for Batman Beyond. Oh, that's right. And what I think is interesting is you can actually see a bit of the, like, the Batman Beyond DNA in that segment. I mean, mm. obviously because Beyond, I'd say even more so than Batman the Animated Series draws from the Dark Knight Returns. Just oh, yeah. The older Bruce and the slightly more dystopic world and everything. 
Um, but even that world being like a little bit more angular mm-hmm. is in there. And then actually the music too reminded me a lot of the Batman Beyond music. It's just kind of that more like kind of like techie synth um, sort of thing going on there. But yeah, because I, I, I really like the um, direct DVD, the animated adaptation of The Dark Knight Returns. I, yeah, think it's one of, I think it's one of the best it's ones, so actually. Good. It's really good. Um, Peter Weller is a fantastic choice for the voice of Batman in that. Um, but for me, like, this was my first introduction to The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. Because I, I obviously wasn't reading that comic when I was 10 <laughs> years old. I mean, it wasn't long after. I think I probably read it for the first time. Um, and I like that comic, but I don't love it, actually. Um, oh, but I love... Yeah, you can see there's no shadows anywhere. Oh, shit. You're right. There are no shadows. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so interesting. Yeah. Uh, but no, I like I love this segment. I love that they do that blend. Like they do such a nice job of making it distinct to the era they're taking inspiration from, but also still feeling of the animated series world. Right. It's almost jarring when we go back to normal Batman mm-hmm. at the end. That's one of the things they again talked about in the commentary. Like they're they're talking nonstop through Dick Sprang and through Frank Miller, and they're like, and now there's the rest of this episode. Like they're not <laughs> proud of how it ends. They're like. Like, oh, it's kind of boring. Like, Firefly's not a great villain. And, like, Batman mm-hmm. seems so kind of generic. Which I think it's so interesting that that is kind of true. Like, that version of Batman is so grounded and so much more normal than, like, these more, like, colorful extreme versions. Right. Um, that, like, they found a way to make, like, the best version of Batman seem mundane. Could So, so what kind of surprised me with this episode is... In both segments, it's a different voice cast. Yes, which I also loved. I, I thought until the very end, I wasn't expecting um, Kevin Conroy to be in this episode at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, could can you think of an ending where we didn't see real Batman, or you just or he didn't have to talk? You just saw him like fly over them. Uh, Would may- that have been too weird? Maybe. Of an ending? So well, they they talked about how. So the only other kind of famous, distinct style for Batman would have been the 1970s Neil Adams Mm -hmm. style. And they said that just would have been too hard to do in animation, in in their animated world, because it's very realistic. I mean, you talk like the the traditional form of animation, like Disney. It's that sort of style. You, you You know like that style they're referring to, right? The Neil Adams... I think so. I'm gonna. I'll Google yeah. it really quick. Um, yeah, I mean that's like the the '70s version of Batman with like, like the longer ears. And, like that's when you the first introduction of like um, like Roz and Talia. Those were all like Denny O'Neill and Neil. Right. Adams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would have been very hard to do that mm-hmm. style in the animated world. So I think that's they didn't really have a third iteration to throw in there. You have a joke. Yeah, I would have loved... Well, two jokes. Well, sort of. We have... There's technically four versions of Batman, because the first kid's talking about how he's, like, this monster. Mm-hmm. We never see that version. But then, of course, there's the Joel Schumacher joke. That's the one that I wanted. If it would have just, like... Because um, the, the kid gets the, a kid named Joel, which I think is even Stand, better. Standing in front of a shoe... Or a store called Shoemakers. Yeah. Um, talking about his favorite iteration of Batman is skin-tight... It's all the costumes and the yeah. car can drive up walls. Yeah, and, obviously um, making fun of my favorite Batman film, Batman Forever. Yeah, um, yeah. I would have it, loved for it to just like pan to that, and you see the illustrated version of him and like the adult Robin, 
And then all the other kids, like, as he's starting to tell a story, all the other kids would be like, no, that's dumb. But I think that might have been too on the nose. It might have been a little... That would have been... I would have loved to have seen... Uh, yeah, Batman Just Forever. the drawing. Like you, don't, yeah, like, you don't have to have them do in, anything. Yeah, in the, the Bruce Timm style, Batman Forever. That would be mm-hmm. kind of cool to see, actually. Yeah. But that must be out there somewhere. Um, but also, the first part, um, it that is... Because you haven't watched Brave and the Bold yet, right? No, but I mean, I know that it's heavily is, inspired by Dick Spring. Yeah, that is... The opening of that episode is the exact tone of Brave and the Bold. To the point I didn't even realize it is that is how they draw Joker in Brave and the Bold. Oh, it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like exactly the same. Oh, boom. Found it. Hmm. I knew it had to be out there somewhere. The characters of Batman Forever done in the style of the DCAU. Perfect. Oh, my God. It's so good. Riddler oh. pretty much looks the same. Yeah. Don't uh, Robin looks weird. Yeah. I like these. Yeah, I like this, though. Looks good. Looks good. Um, now can you find it for um, Mr. Freeze? Uh, I did find it for Bane. The Dark Knight. The okay. Dark Knight trilogy yeah. looks pretty good. So, weirdly enough, you say that. I remember when Batman and Robin came out, um, they had my like I had a comforter like a like a kid's like twin comforter yeah but it was an animated style not like DCAU animated but it was the characters of Batman and Robin but done in a cartoon style Mm -hmm. actually looked pretty damn cool and I think that version of Batgirl might have even been based off like the original concepts it had the full ears like her toy was the same way too like the original version had the full on ears um You asked me a question. What was it? Don't remember anymore. <laughs> um, oh, oh could they, could they end the episode without showing real Batman? I because we had an episode similar to this early, early on, and Batman and Betos, where it was the three perspectives on a crime scene. We had it's the introduction to Montoya. Oh right, yeah. Um, I th- and we both really liked that episode. I did. I love that. I love that episode because. Through the three crimes, you figured out how it was ending. Yeah. And it's even the same with um, Um, Almost Got Him, where it's the three stories that lead to how he gets caught. Yeah. Maybe. They maybe could have done something. I mean, they, I guess, they felt like they needed to give it some sort of sense of climax. Yeah. Um, I, what... Could have been interesting. Okay, th- okay. I think there's one way they could have done it. Is if the kids split apart to go home, mm-hmm. and like the third one is left, like the third guy, the third kid is left, and he happens to see Batman flying the building. He goes in, and so they could have done like maybe like a cross cutting thing of him watching it live. And we cut between what it actually looks like, but then also his perspective, more or less, what he yeah. thinks. Oh, using like shadows. It's yeah, like, like I think it, that could be interesting. Like the, the monster Batman he sees. Yeah, I think that could have been something. Mm-hmm. Maybe could have been a different, a slightly different way of doing it. Because I do, I did appreciate. Because then they could have played into what the kids were doing during the Firefly flight, Firefly, Firefly fight. It's hard. It's hard. It's a lot of um, which which made me chuckle where they're all cheering for the parts of their stories that 
come to life. So like, um, oh right, it's like oh my god, it's all the cool toys and uh, yeah, it's like the cool gad. No, because the kid doesn't the the first storyteller doesn't cheer until Batman makes a pun. Oh, that's right. And yeah. he's like, yeah, and I'm like, that's right. You cheer for puns. Yeah, you. We love puns. It's like that was the, that was the fixation of him. He's like, but Batman's supposed to be funny. Yeah, he uh, is. He is yeah. funny. Sorry, I think I may have found it. I think this might this might have been it. Are you looking for your comforter? I mean, I'm looking for like the cartoon versions of the characters. Okay, I've seen that before. I, th- I think this might have been it. Yeah, it was a cool comforter, man. Uh, I also, I loved Batman and Robin when it came out because I was eight years old. Yeah, and, and I love Batman Forever because I'm 25 years old. <laughs> you know what? We've talked about it. I I actually I have a bit of a soft spot. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I have a bit of a soft spot for for Batman Forever. I I, I think it it makes some mistakes, but I don't think it's necessarily Where exactly. <laughs> I found it. I found it. Are you gonna order it? Yeah, this is it. This is the exact comfort I had. That's pretty cool. I know it was the best. That's pretty cool. I'm a little jealous. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. You should have been because you, you were what a toddler. <laughs> uh, I would have been five. Oh my god. Yeah. Look. Actually, this is it's actually much closer to the DCAU style than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I'll put it up on Instagram, guys. So you can see a little glimpse into my childhood. <laughs> little Chris and his Batman and Robin comforter. Uh, I wonder if they had this in a queen size. Now. <laughs> <coughs> Too much? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. That'll, <laughs> um, that'll generate some comments. <laughs> Um, yeah, I fucking loved this episode. No, I, I do too. And we, we kind of touched on it, but we didn't go into detail. The, the voice casting is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one very famous voice in the, I mean, there's a couple of very famous voices in this. Michael McKean? Uh, no. Cause I, whenever I saw the name pop up on the side, uh, I don't have dys- dyslexia, but it kept popping up and I would read Michael Keaton. Oh. I'd get excited, and then I'd get unexcited because it's not but, Michael Keaton. But it's Michael McKean, who I adore. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Michael McKean is? Mm-hmm. You've seen Clue. I have. Okay, he's Mr. Green. Remind me. Mr. Green and Clue. Um, he's the gay one. He's not actually gay. I th- Okay, I think I remember. Yeah, okay. bring up a photo. Um, he was also Perry White in Smallville. Right, okay. Married to Annette O'Toole, uh, who played both Martha in Smallville, but also Lana in Superman <laughs> 3. Um, he is amazing. And so he does the voice of the Joker in the Dick Sprang era because they mm-hmm. were trying to emulate that version of the Joker. Because I remember, I don't, it wasn't necessarily Super Friends, but I remember I would oftentimes rent a VHS of like an old animated Batman series of that time. I don't remember, maybe it was Super Friends or, or something along those lines, but that style of the Joker, um, that they emulate here, I remember being very distinct. I remember that voice. They wanted to go down that path. That's why they chose him to do that more like heightened version. Right. Um, and then Gary Owens did the voice of Batman in the 50s, who I hadn't heard of him specifically, but he was the voice of Space Ghost. Yes, he was. The voice of Space Ghost. Space Ghost, coast to coast. Coast to coast. And he, he just did a whole, he was a, a very famous voice actor for, for many, many years. He mm-hmm. did like TV announcements, all kinds of stuff. He's, he used to intro, if I remember correctly, he was the original voice of Saturday Night Live. 
Um, I don't think so. That's not what someone on this show was. Really? Yeah, someone in this episode was. Really? I thought so. I I saw Saturday Night Live as one of their credits, and it just said announcer. But I guess that could have been a part they played. Mel Brandt. Don Pardo, I think, was like the most. Yeah, like Don Pardo was like the most famous announcer for Saturday Night Live because he did it up until like 2014. I don't think he was in this, though. Okay. I think it, it was probably Gary Owens who you... I think he may have done like a, a stint on something involving Saturday Night Live. It was like a newscaster because he did um, tons of stuff. It's just like in little bit stuff. But I think his most famous like major role would have been Space Ghost. Okay, yeah. Um, but then, of course, they used the fantastic Michael Ironside, a.k.a. the voice of Darkseid, yes. for Batman in the Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Kevin and Michael Richardson. That was the one I was, that was one you're going about, for. That was his first time in the DC Universe. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, because I looked it up, and I couldn't find him before that. That is shocking. I would have expected him to be popping up left and right in that. No, he. this is a very fresh voice actor at the time. I think he'd been in one episode of Pinky and the Brain at this point. No shit. Yeah. I would not have he guessed that. He was very new at this point. I'm just so used to him being in everything. Right. So when they, because the, the commentary for this was done, like the DVD came out like a good seven or eight years afterwards. Mm-hmm. So when they're talking about it, they were talking about it being Kevin Michael Richardson and how he's excited he Joker. was. They, they said that in the commentary, like he's now the voice of the Joker mm-hmm. on The Batman. And he did an amazing job with the Joker. He was great. Yeah. Well, because they were also talking about that when this episode aired, they were still doing Superman, doing this, and then they were starting development on Batman Just, Beyond. Okay, and yeah. it was the same. They were saying like, it was the same team. Mm-hmm. Like it, the same team was doing all three of those shows. It's, wow. It's insane. That's so much. Absolutely. And like, I mean, we give Superman a lot of shit because a lot of them are pretty bad. But mm-hmm. like, I would say that. Most of the new Batman adventures are great. I think they are like on par with some of the the better and best episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Oh yeah, absolutely. There are a number of really great Superman episodes, and then I mean, I just love it. But I think Batman Beyond across the board is all pretty consistently good. That they were doing all those shows all at the same time mm-hmm. and still delivering that level. The, yeah, like that, that high, high quality. Level. Yeah, yeah. I That's don't know. Crazy. I don't know how much of that team was also on Static. I'm not sure about that. Um, well, I think Static would have been. There was there was a maybe like a year or two buffer between Beyond think, oh, and Static, uh, right? Static did that start in two thousand two thousand one? I want to say one or two. Um, you know what? I actually it's, I, I want to say I, I want to say it was one to five. Uh, I might. I, why am I asking? I have it right here because I have my massive document that has oh, all no. the episodes. Oh, two thousand. Yeah, zero. To First four. episode yeah. was uh, September twenty third, two thousand. Yeah. So yeah, they were about to start working on this too. Oh my god, yeah. It's incredible. Like these guys know their shit. Mhm. Just so thoroughly. And I mean All right, Kevin Michael Richardson also in Static. Oh, right. Who's he in Static? It's the dad. Oh my god, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can this is one of the things they were talking about on the commentary was how much fun they had doing this episode. Um, oh yeah. yeah, this is so, just like nerds getting to be nerds. Yeah, so again, I, I'm pretty sure that the guy's name was James Tucker who did the animation for the, the Sprang stuff. He started working on Superman, mm-hmm. like, and he he watched 
BTOS when it aired and he got hired. He started working on Superman. And then, so he was super excited when they just started doing Batman again, because that meant he got to go work on Batman. Um, and then when this thing came around, like he just threw himself into it. So like, for example, um, in the script, they just get like thrown inside the piano. He created that whole idea of them getting thrown onto the strings and having like the I keys come down. The giant instrument. It's amazing. It's like, so it's, good because it's so cheesy, but it works. Oh, it works so well. It works perfectly. And I guess. And I think they actually stole this for a, a Brave and the Bold episode. Did I they? feel like I remember seeing this giant piano prop before. Okay, I could totally see them doing that because it's it's such a, a a brilliant set piece. And what I love about it is that it it acknowledges how kind of silly that era of the comics were or even those old cartoons but it does it in a way that shows that they love them though like it's all done with love and like with sincerity and in earnest mm-hmm. be like you know like yeah they're not making fun of it at all oh no like the first thing from it like it, it's a really genuine like recreation of that era um and it's oh my god it's so it's just beautiful and so much fun and so well done and oh yeah thank god we have this episode i know I, I feel like, from an animator's point of view, whenever they get episodes like this, where it's the multiple art styles, mm-hmm. those are almost always the most fun to work on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, um, the big ones that come to mind are, like, when Futurama did it, they did it a few times. Three times. Did they? Um, the different art styles. Yeah. So they had one where they went into G.I. Joe, uh, and when they went into a silent movie. Oh, I do. Okay. I do kind of remember. Yeah. This. Where yeah. the characters redrawn in different styles. I think the most famous, I forgot for about me, this. Yeah. Uh, for me is fairly odd. Parents had a whole movie. I guess technically they had four movies, but the big one is channel chasers mm-hmm. where Timmy, if you don't remember, I do vaguely remember. This, I highly actually. recommend rewatching it because yeah. it's actually a really well done episode. I mean, I, I like the Fairly Odd Parents in general. Yeah. I think it holds up. Uh, Timmy wishes himself into the television, mm-hmm. and he jumps from show to show. Um, oh and so God. every time he goes to a different channel, he's a different cartoon. Yeah. So he's in Scooby Doo. He's in Charlie Brown. He's in Batman in a, in one segment. Um, and then it ends. Oh, it ends with him in Dragon Ball Z. Oh my god! <laughs> it's the most amazing thing ever. Um, but yeah, I whenever <laughs> whenever shows I I know there's a name for that style of that kind of episode, but like those are always so much fun to watch for me. I, I have forgotten the Futurama ones. Yeah, now mm-hmm. that you mentioned it, yeah, I remember them going to the um, yeah, like the old like Steamboat Willie style. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I love that sort of stuff. It just to be kind of fourth wall breaking and playful and inventive like that. Yeah. So it's something you can only do in animated television. It's exactly. Only, it's the only space where you have that freedom of storytelling to play mm-hmm. with it like that. Right. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. I, I'm like super excited you got to discover this episode. And you this, had never seen it so before. Much fun. Yeah. Too. Like, because I mean, this is one of my favorites. I mean, this is considered one of the best episodes of, especially the new Batman Adventures. And mm-hmm. so people talk about it all the time. And, I forget that you haven't seen a lot of these. I haven't seen I, any of these. And I just assumed that maybe this is one you had happened to come across because it had the different art styles in there. Mm-hmm. No, but, when, cause I, yeah, when they switched art style, cause I, I saw that they were pulling from other comics. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they were going to change the art style. Yeah. And so when like I saw Joker run in, I'm like, Oh my God. It's, it's completely different. I need to go watch Brave and the Bold. Cause I feel like I would really it's have a lot so of fun with good. it. I know. And it's so, there's like a string. I've br- I brought this up before. 
there's a string of like five episodes in season two where it just takes such a dark dip. Oh yeah, like everybody dies. Like left yeah, everyone right. dies. It starts off with uh, the Doom Patrol breaking up because uh, they let one civilian die in, oh, in like a hostage situation, and none of them could handle the pressure, and none wow. of them could handle the po. Yeah. And, like, this is the most fun version of Batman we have. Yeah. Um, there's that. And then, like, the the next episode, Animal Man sacrifices himself. Uh, and you never see him again. Oh, my God. He's actually legitimately dead. Yeah. And then, like, there were two more episodes. Because I remember I was marathoning through. And I ended on the Doom Patrol one. And then the next one happened the next day. And I'm like, oh, I feel really bummed. And then, it's like, two more just punches to the gut. Oh, my God. I'm like, what were they thinking? <laughs> Who was in charge of this? They just had like a really bad breakup. Yeah. They just want to crush your soul, Cameron. Yours. Yeah. Your specific soul. They were just going after you. The kid they know who's going to binge it. I know. They knew you're susceptible to animated emotions. Yo, so it hurts. Oh, my God. No. But I, I, this is, this is one of those that I'll just go kind of watch on my own. I'm trying to think if I had any other um, little, oh, there was a, a great moment in the Dick Sprang, a couple things in there. So one, did you catch the name of the music store they're in? I saw it was a reference to something, but I, I didn't It was write named it down. after Shirley Walker. It was like the Walker Music Museum, oh, yeah, Music yeah. Emporium, which I thought was really clever mm-hmm. to have that thrown in there. That was one. Um, I liked the reference to uh, Pagliacci. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But the, the opera, the famous opera about oh, the sad yeah. clown, because that's referenced in Hush as well. Okay. Like, the, the clown suit in the background. That's Pagliacci. Got it. Okay. Yeah, like the the massive clown and the mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I also loved that it ends with Batman and Robin turning and doing the handshake. Yeah. Like the end of the intro for the old and or the uh, the, the old 60s, 60s era show. Yeah. Um, do I have anything other? I I wrote down that I don't know why there's not a museum of just giant instruments because. As an adult, I would go hang out there. As oh my a God, child, I would, I would never leave. Yeah. That's like the coolest thing ever. I feel like LA should have one. There totally should be. It, that'd be like the coolest pop-up shop ever. Yeah. Very expensive pop-up shop. Oh, yeah. Worth it, though. Be kind of disgusting, because, I mean, at least for musical instruments, at least for like the the brass instruments, you'd want to play them. Oh. But at least I would. No, you have yeah. to bring your own. Um, Just going to ride around that saxophone? Yeah. Just blowing on it? Just be like, ah, oh, this is my, this is what this is what it must have been like to be friends with Bill Clinton. <laughs> get some nice smooth Kenny G. Oh yeah, going on, yeah. Oh, oh my God, no. Is that but everything? I think. Do you any more? No, that was all my my random little notes. So, ah, uh, yeah, so fantastic. Um, oh, thank God we had it after Unity. Oh, <laughs> God, why? What were they thinking? I just, I don't, I don't know. And on a positive oh, note. Yeah, question for the fans, because we were trying to figure this out before the podcast. Oh, yeah. We've, we've come to discover that you guys are clearly much smarter than us. Yeah. Um, so that story element of the uh, tentacle monster that takes over human bodies and comes out of the mouth. Yeah. Where did that start? Yeah. Because yeah. obviously, for us, the most famous iteration is Beast of a Billion Backs from Futurama. Right. This episode did it. It had to have started somewhere. Your guess was... Uh, uh, invasion of Body Snatchers, which have been right. numerous iterations. I think the the 70s Donald Sutherland version is the most famous, but mm-hmm. I've never actually seen it, so I don't know. There was a 
There was a movie by James Gunn from 2004 that was kind of like that. It's like Slither, yeah. So, yeah, Slither. They, yeah, I've never seen it. So but that would have been after this episode. Yeah. So, I yeah. wouldn't want to credit this episode for Beast of a Billion Backs. I want it to be something else. It's possible. It's super similar. Yeah, it's, it's possible. It's very similar. I could absolutely see the, the Rides of Futurama having watched you know this show back in the day. So oh, yeah. Probably where they got it from. Mm-hmm. They just did a much better job with it. Back this. in the day being a year before Futurama started. Well, yeah, but that yeah, was... Yeah, Beast of a Billion Backs 2006, 7, or 8. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of the... Yeah, it was the second movie. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit later on. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. Bender's Big Score, though. Is, I was going to say, that's that's the best one. It's easily. the best one. It's hands down the best one. The other mm-hmm. ones are kind of like meh, but Bender's Big Score is like... I also like Bender's Game, where it's the, the Dungeons and Dragons style. Well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like father, like son. I ate it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh, with Cubert, mm-hmm. not Cubert. Cubert's no. the clone. Um, yeah, the other kid, the dumb, the dumb kid of mom. Yeah, he find out is is Professor Farnsworth's child. Yeah, spoiler alert. Sorry, that's fine. I think I think, okay. both, I think we're all. Yeah, they both eat the dice. I think we're outside the statute of limitations on that. Yeah. Um, shall we mosey our way along into some bat plugs? Sure. One um what you been what you been watching? Uh I have new things that I've been watching. <gasps> Strangely. <gasps> Usually I just watch the same things over and over again. Yeah, we know. Um <laughs> I saw this show called Super Duper Sumos and it was great. God damn. Oh my god. god. <laughs> we had a fan. You're going to talk about it. you have to talk about that one. I will. Yes. Um, yes, I'll, I'll I'll talk about that in in our letters segment that we so, should call something other than letters. Uh so I'll start with the the worst show even though it's still a pretty good show i watched i binged through all of cobra kai it's on youtube red it's surprisingly fun and the ending is so did it subverted a lot of expectations because like it was cool to see the character growth of both johnny lawrence and his pupil but then you see how at the end like everything that he taught him has actually been wrong. And everyone is now just like a giant asshole. Mm-hmm. Cause like his fear was recreating Cobra Kai as it was yeah. as, as its former self. He wanted to recreate it not to not end up like his former sensei. But then at the end, he like looks at his students and one has the giant Mohawk and like his main student just like beat the shit out of some other kid. And you're like, and he, he has the realization of like, I've made a horrible mistake. Yeah. Um, cause it, it's like the final scene, they, the final episode is they're at the karate tournament, the all Valley karate tournament. I'm just going to spoil that part. Um, and obviously it's the final episode. So it's pupil A versus pupil B, mm-hmm. um, pupil A being Johnny's pupil. I won't say who pupil B is cause that, that's a cool story. Um, but it gets to the point where like pupil B gets injured in the, almost the exact same way. And pupil A goes to Johnny and he's like, I'm not going to show him any mercy. Like, no mercy, no mercy. The same thing that the sensei yeah. told Johnny at that at the same moment. And you just kind of see, like, the the small moment of acting that's in this episode, <laughs> in this series, is you kind of see the great Johnny's Billy face. Zapka. Yeah, you see Johnny's face of, like, I didn't want, I didn't want to recreate what has already happened, but I did it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, acting-wise, horrible series. Fighting choreography-wise, also not great. There's one great fight. Um, but it is a fun story. Okay. And it, it's it's cool to see the characters again. So if you 
don't have YouTube Red, mm-hmm. like myself, yes, would you say it's worth? No. Okay, there we go. <laughs> there we go. That's all we want to know. Yes. Um, but my better plug, mm-hmm. which destroyed me inside last night, I'm still emotionally unstable right now. Oh, God. I watched Tully. Oh, how it's was so it? Good. Is it really good? It's so good. I, I can't even talk about it just because there's so much to unpack. My my message will be for our fans. And I also asked my mom to watch it because it, it follows a woman kind of dealing with postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. It's a very serious issue. Yeah. Uh, but they, they kind of put some light on it. Like there are some good jokes. Charlie's Theron is obviously amazing in it. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie Davis, who plays the the nanny Tully, mm-hmm. is amazing. Oh, I love her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I asked my mom to see it because I really want to get her perspective on it. My warning will be for any of our fans that are at their point in life where they're on the fence if they want kids or don't, don't watch this movie because it will immediately push you into the don't category. Well, with you know, like you will never want children after watching this film. Don't have to worry about that. It's very true. So. <laughs> um, yeah, Tully was it. It's so good. Yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. No, I do want to go see it. Um, I know there's, there's too many things. Yeah, and then your movie came out this week. Yes, which I want to go see. Yes. I assume it's at ArcLight. Um, yeah, I think it is. Because it's not at Grove. <laughs> I, should, I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know where it's playing. Um, but yes, one of my plugs uh, this week is the film RBG. So it's a documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. About the color scheme, Roy, <laughs> red, green, and blue. Oh my God. The number of times like people in the office accidentally say RGB, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, and also, so I have Google Alert set up for RBG. And the vast majority up until this last week and all the reviews were coming out were people misspelling RGB in reference to like coloring and that sort of stuff. Yep. It's like, just, I just delete them all. It's ridiculous. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's this fantastic documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who I knew in broad strokes about her. Um, but it, I mean, her, her whole life is super fascinating. I mean, so she, um, like grew up in Brooklyn. Her mom died when she was really young. She was not the first class, but one of the first classes of women admitted into Harvard law. Um, and like her first night there, they, and, Huh? Yeah, it's oh, it's, uh, it's archive. Yeah. Perfect. Like her first night there, the like the dean invites all the women and like their partners, husbands, whatever, spouses yeah. over, and he asks the nine women, like, so why did you deserve to get a seat here instead of a man? Um, and she, one of the the cool things I did not know about her was actually her relationship with her husband Marty, who they met at Columbia. Why? Marty McFly. No, they didn't meet, it wasn't Columbia. They met at, um, fuck, it doesn't matter. But he, like, they had this really just beautiful, like, relationship. And he was the lighthearted, fun, funny, easygoing one to kind of balance out her seriousness. And he was always super supportive of her and let, she, he was basically like, your career comes first. He was a tax attorney. Um, but yeah, all the way through, like, he would, like, cook and he would help take care of the kids and he did everything he can to make sure that she could succeed at a time when she couldn't even get a job after graduating from like law school because they just weren't hiring women right um and then of course it goes through all of her her cases up against the supreme court and eventually her nomination to the bench and everything and it's it's really funny too like she has an incredible sense of humor like she's very serious but like she's kind of started to own this like meme this like cult of personality that's developed around her um yeah, it's it's really really funny, and so that it's um, yeah, it's not 
my movie, but it's put out by the company that I work for. And uh, no, it's really great. Like I, I was lucky enough I got to see it at the office. So, but I should go and see it. Yeah, it's at Arc. It's down the street. Down the street. It's at Arc. Yeah. So, um, uh, this comes out on the Tuesday. So it came out in limited release in New York and LA the previous weekend, and uh, this upcoming weekend I think it's going wider. Mm-hmm. At that point, but um, no, it's it's really really fun. I definitely recommend going and seeing it. Uh, and then, of course, we are also making a narrative film about her, starring Ooh. Felicity Jones and Army <gasps> Hammer. I love them. I know. And that comes out later this year. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's all you can say. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will throw in one more plug. I'm not Just, done. Oh, sorry. I, I apologize. <laughs> I, um, for whatever random reason, I decided to sit down and rewatch Tron Legacy. It's great. Yesterday. Great soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Cora, amazing. I want that tattoo still. What? What tattoo? Oh, the one. Oh, the Jazz Up I, The IOs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's about as good as I remember it being. It's not, it's not amazing. It's right? not great. <laughs> um, but it is fun. But and my God, like, I think I was listening to the soundtrack. Like, you know what? I haven't seen this in a long time. I should go see how well it holds up. I mean, the, the Daft Punk's good. Also, part of the reason I, re- I wanted to rewatch it is that I don't know if you saw it, but I got the Lego. Oh, <gasps> no. So I don't know if you can, can you see all the Legos on my coffee Sorry, table from I'm, here? I'm stepping you, away from the mic. Yeah, no, no like Cameron's going to flip his shit on several levels when he sees all the things that are on my, my coffee table right now. Yeah, so I got the, yeah, because Lego did the Tron light cycle kit. It'll be up on my Instagram too. I haven't posted it yet, but I will. Um, and then while I was at the Lego store at Disneyland, actually, that's where they had it. They also had the, what? yeah. I didn't go to Disneyland, but I met some friends for lunch down at the Rainforest Cafe, and so I picked it up when I was down there. Um, this is so cool. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's super cool. And then I also picked up the Brickheads, Marty and Doc, and then Mr. Incredible and Frozone. So that's what was my weekend, was building all those. But yeah, Tron Legacy, it's okay. The soundtrack is amazing, though. So damn good. I've made the mistake of giving Cameron a toy. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That was my other plug randomly. Was Tron Legacy and Legos, of course. Yeah, they're they're gorgeous, like absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go and buy these. Yeah, no, you you got it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's so cool. Like that's that's gotta go and that's gotta get displayed prominently somewhere. That's oh yeah. That's not a bookshelf set. That's a like a, that's a nice set right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you had one more plug though. What was it? Uh, I have a. Uh, I'm gonna end it on a kind of sadder note. Oh no! I don't know if I sent you the article, but I'm sure you saw it somewhere. Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter put out a very extensive article about an uh, opinion piece about John Lasseter and oh, if he I should. I, come I back. saw the article. I didn't read it though. Oh, you should read it. Yeah. Because it goes into a lot of really sad stuff. Because yeah. for me, I mean, obviously I love animation. The animation world for me has always been kind of this like, this world of outcasts come together and they can yeah. be the children they've always wanted to be. And it's like, the way I always imagined an, an, like, like, uh, an animation company is just like, this free-spirited people running around, people mm-hmm. like well, acting out Pixar. scenes. Yeah. Um, this this creative hub of freedom, and then hearing about what John Lasseter was actually like, and kind of the turns he made to become the man he is now. The question of the article was: His six month sabbatical is about to run out. Mm-hmm. Should Bob Iger reinstate him as head of Pixar and head of Disney Animation? Yeah. Uh, and after reading the article, as much as I loved the man before, 
I want to say no. I don't think he should be back anymore. And that's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the, yeah, everyone should just go read that. Okay. Yeah. I'll link it. It goes into a lot of like where his ego came from. Like in 2003, uh, he lost both of his like checks so he had a, a coworker that oh like the people who kept him in yeah, checks yeah, sorry, like the yeah, checks yeah. and balances not like two paychecks right <laughs> his, <laughs> he only had two paychecks his annual salary lost was distributed both. twice a year <laughs> yeah in halves he lost them both it was a real mm-hmm. mess um, no yeah the people that kept him in check he had a coworker that like was kind of a jack of all trades kind of person did everything at Pixar mm-hmm. from voice acting to storyboarding to writing to like everything and he never cared about putting his name on anything wow. Um, and so he, like, because he didn't care about his name being on stuff, he never feared Lassiter. Um, and so he was, like, he always pushed back, and he was big at supporting the workers. Okay. Uh, and then the other check came from the other side, from Steve Jobs. Oh, right, of course, mm-hmm. yeah. The only person, supposedly the only person uh, John Lassiter ever feared was Steve Jobs. Understandable. Which makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, but in 2003, the coworker was in a horrible car accident. Oh my god! And passed away. Oh my god! And that's also when Steve Jobs' uh, illness started to kick in. Okay. So that's when he kind of left. He focused more on leaving his legacy at Apple. Apple, and yeah. And he stepped away from Pixar. Oh holy shit! And so Lasseter kind of had free reign after that. And like, there's rumors around the office of them calling him King Lasseter. Uh, there was one part of the article. Which made me laugh, even though it's so horrible and dark. Mm-hmm. Apparently, John Lester is big about sliding his hand up women's skirts. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it, the only reason it was funny was the wording for it and that they named this thing. So there was a pose that women learned at Pixar, and I'll, I'll try and demonstrate it for our audience. Okay. Um, it's The name is called the Lasseter Lockout. Oh, my God. Which is like such a great name. But it's because uh, he would put hand on knee and then slide up skirt. So it's they would do the leg cross and then the arms like over the knee. Oh, so there was okay. no place for him to put his hand. Yeah. And like that's horrible that women have to do that. But it's such a good name. It's a nice litter of quality to yeah. it. Yeah. Oh I mean, God. nowhere else but Pixar would I expect them to name their defensive maneuvers. Yeah. Because yeah, that's. With such like fun and witty things. Yeah. That was um, like when that. Stuff first came out, you know, I listened to a number of film-related podcasts. That's one of the things they were talking about was they, it's not even just the behavior itself was the problem, but what it does is it creates a situation where women weren't able to excel because they couldn't be in the meetings where all these big decisions were happening because Lasseter was there. Right. And, like, you know, the, the company, I think on some level, maybe the this article elaborates upon this, was having to, like, separate women from Lasseter. And so yeah. you get half the gender, one would hope, like a good, a huge amount of the company can't be in on some of these huge decisions because, or in these positions of power because they had to be kept away from him. And it's just like, it's so, it's such, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad to see someone that you admire when you learn they're kind of a monster. Yeah. Even to the point where in the article they mentioned that a lot of the workers at Pixar would refer to Laster as King John. Ooh. Which I think oh, is, is funny, but oh. also a great nod to Robin Hood. Yeah. Just, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. All right. Well, well, we'll try and bring things real quickly back on the positive side again, kind mm-hmm. of, and our, our, our brief little letter section. So two things. So um, for those of you who listened to our uh, Infinity War spoiler special crossover event 
in all of its glory. Towards the end, I was complaining a whole bunch about how much the audience of the El Capitan ruined that movie for me because they wouldn't stop wooing and the girl behind us kept crying and yelling out no whenever someone died. But it was really funny because uh, on Instagram, Gordon Wells, who does, you remember his stuff. He's like one of the yeah, great yeah. animators. Um, yeah, he he sent me a message being like, oh my God, it's not just me who's gotten real sick of like modern fans in a movie going audience. Because it was just, it was too much. It was a little too much. It was too much. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think. I, I didn't mean, realize how much dialogue we missed. Oh, that yeah. I thing. saw it the second time around. Like, oh, we missed huge chunks of dialogue. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, my, my the second time I went to the um, the Sundance Theater, just up well, the former Sundance Theater up the street, which is a much more stoic audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was funny. But yeah, you know, Gordon, you're not alone. We're all, <laughs> we're all just a little tired of it. Um, but the other thing, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Thank you, fans. Thank you for finally being on my side. Uh, okay, so good old Maddie Washburn, who does the DCAO, DCAU timeline stuff with the Watchtower database, uh, he <laughs> messaged us on Twitter. <laughs> In defense of Cameron, talking about how Richie Rich's Christmas wish is a goddamn national treasure. And when I told him to not encourage you, he was saying how it's up there with Super Duper Sumo. That's fucking (laughs) right it is. Super Duper Sumo needs a reboot immediately. Anyone that works in the animation industry, get on it. (laughs) He also said he had, like, never seen Jaws. And I'm like... Wait, are you are you just Cameron? Are you just Cameron in disguise? Yeah, that's that's my other account. I say I don't use t- Twitter just so I can have other accounts on Twitter. Oh my god, but Maddie, don't support it. Thank you for the support. I very much appreciate it. You're gonna get a handwritten letter thanking you, thanking yeah from me, thanking you for your constant support. Oh my god. Well, but anyways. If you, you do want to reach out and throw Cameron some love, because all I ever do is throw him shade, you can uh, find us at TimTalkPod on Gmail, Instagram, Facebook, and, of course, Twitter. Yes. Um, I am at Lardifer on Instagram and Twitter. I'll, I'll post uh, my new Lego acquisitions as well as that sweet Batman and Robin. I'll put that on TimTalk, the sweet Batman and Robin <laughs> bed sheets. Um, but, yeah. Well, I mean, save it till after it gets here. Oh, that's true. When I... When <laughs> When I put it on my bed. Yeah. When I've sold my queen bed to go back to a twin just so I can have yeah. the Batman around I mean, you can just sheets. get the comforter and just lay it on top. It's true, to actually. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe I can make like a, a nice wall decor out of it. Yeah. I did buy, um, this has nothing to do with anything. I bought all three of the James Bonding t-shirts. Of course you did. So the, the Kanenga balloon, Pigeon Double Take, and Knickknack Tabasco shirts. And I'm going to frame them and put them up on the wall as you a have cart. to so I, i'm not gonna wear them i don't wear crew next right yeah um <laughs> you can find me uh on instagram at cam dexter underscore adventures or f- for my face if you want to see my art is at cameron.dexter and if you want to see my shirts we have a new one coming out uh tomorrow as of this episode mm-hmm. um you, you can find that at at core memories co yeah yes. how, how did your photo shoot go it was a lot of fun yeah mm-hmm have you announced that shirt yet? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a pain and it's a Hercules shirt, pain and panics babysitting service. Yeah. And so you guys went up to the Getty mm-hmm. to go enjoy all that classical art. Yeah. A, a lot of Greek architect, Greek themed architecture around up there. Yeah. That's a great shirt. It's such a clever idea. Thank you. Oh, Cameron, you're so clever. I, I, I try my best. I know. Look at you. 
So gotta proud. stand out. So proud of you. Above the crowd. So proud of you Even if you're Even if shirts. I gotta shout it out loud. Less, Cause tonight is the only place you'll see. Gotta stand out, stand out. Do, what? Do I want to know what that's from? It's from Goofy Movie. Oh, okay. Stand out by uh, um, Powerline. Okay. I think I've only seen that movie once. It's great. Way back in the day. Saw it at El Capitan. Oh, that's right. First time seeing it, too. I saw it at El Cap. Wait, you never seen it before as like a kid? No. That's shocking. I saw Extreme Goofy Movie a lot. Because that's the, that's the one they would always play on TV. Which one had the leading tower of cheese? Uh, the first one. Okay. Actually, I think both of them make the joke. Oh, that's the only thing I remember about that movie. Mm-hmm. The Leaning Tower of Chisa. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you next week. On that note, bye. Bye.